Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union label. That's to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome to the Alan Nathan Show, everybody. Silker Joe Show co-host Joe filling in for Alan today while he is on assignment. But don't worry, if he were here with us today, he would give to you his mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedrooms, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our first and second amendment rights. I have a guest on standby, so I'm going to try to run through this next part real quick, but we are a Main Street Radio Network production. We want to thank the Main Street Radio Network for allowing this program to exist. Of course, management has disagreed with content, and even some of the clients of the Main Street Radio Network have disagreed as well, but management always has our backs, and we appreciate that. also want to thank the Salem Radio Network for distributing this show. And you can go to MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. To learn about this show, the Silker Joe show up there as well. You can also go to Facebook, Main Street Radio Network, they're, they're on there, or on Twitter at Main Street Radio. And as for the Alan Nathan show, they have alannathan.com and on Twitter at Alan Nathan. And the Silker Joe show, if you uh, happen to like what I say, you can follow me on there or the show on there, I should say. It's on Getter, G E T T R.com at Silker Joe show. Now, at this point, Alan would read his pre written topics, and I happen to have some right here. District Attorney Bragg says armed robbery is a misdemeanor, downgraded over 52% of felony cases to misdemeanors, and only one convictions in 29% of those misdemeanor cases. So how can his indictment of Trump over misdemeanors be anything but political? Also, from making political re-education mandatory to enforcing gun-free zones to attract shooters, why are Democrats trashing our schools from behind armed guards? Joining us now to talk about that first topic... We have Dr. Mark Sherwood, former Oklahoma gubernatorial candidate. He spent much of his career in law enforcement, also at the Functional Medical Institute. Dr. Sherwood, always happy to have you on. How are you today? Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you. All right. So what do you make of Trump's indictment? He finally turns himself over for arrest today. And it just seems, especially with this particular district attorney who doesn't think armed robbery is a felony, it's crazy. It it seems inconsistent with his other actions that he would go after Trump with as much vigor as he has. Yeah, my my thoughts are very sad and somber today, uh, quite honestly, Joseph, because we've transgressed to a place where there's no return, where uh, these politically elected officials can exercise the idea or concept of prosecutorial discretion in this egregious manner. Um, it is it's super sad, and uh, this, this is a day that will go down in history as the day we, we crossed over a threshold probably into the abyss. Mm. And uh, this is definitely a warning to the average American out there, especially the same district attorney who doesn't think armed robbery is a felony, who doesn't think pointing a gun in someone's face should get you much jail time, the same district attorney is going after Trump. He might go after the, the uh, someone else next, uh, just for well, opposing him because this is clearly political. Yeah, you're right. This has got political all over it, and unfortunately, politics has has sort of transgressed this too, hasn't it? You know, uh, D.A. Bragg is an elected official, and uh, my understanding of, of the interpretation of his uh, campaign platforms is this is part of the agenda. He's exhibited bias, um, though. You know, I mentioned the word prosecutorial discretion. You can do that, but it's 
it's got to the point of absurdity. And I'm putting my 24 years of previous law enforcement experience hat on, and I, I can't believe we're actually talking about this today, that we've got to this level of absurdity, quite frankly. You know, it's all these uh, district attorneys that are being bought and paid for and clearly have political ambitions. This guy, he's definitely pulled the trigger because he wants to be attorney general of New York or perhaps some higher office. I, I, I guess it isn't surprising that you put in greedy people like that with uh, ambition that you would get results like this, where they just use their office to prosecute anyone who might stop them from rising in the political ranks. Well, you're right, and, and you mentioned something very powerful there. It's the it's the uh, desire draw for money, greed, power, influence, fame. That that is a temptation for all of us, and clearly we can see this all across the spectrum of politics, can't we? You know, people will do anything, say anything, uh, pull off anything to achieve their ultimate goal, which is is to grow this power influence base. And politics today has become all about agendas, bias, and money. And that's sad because D.A. Bragg should be a representative of the people of Manhattan County. And that, and, and that should be the sole purpose. He is not the representative of the Democratic Party, for God's sake. And that's what I find is so sad with this, that we've got to the level where a, a local prosecutor would take it upon themselves. And I don't know the man, but you get into his heart. You know, everybody's got bias. If that is the case, and he's taking upon himself to sort of, you know, bring down uh, President Trump, I mean, and, and let armed robbery go, I mean, the unequivocally um, clear lack of, you know, sort of concept of common sense is shocking. And it seems, though, as you mentioned before, though, that. Uh, District Attorney Bragg, he ran on doing exactly this kind of thing. The voters knew what they were getting. They knew they'd be getting this. It, it seems like that those voters who put him in office, this is what they wanted. This is okay by them. You're right. And and to me, that's the saddest thing of all because, you know, we as the general overall American citizen here right here on the Allen Nation, uh, Nathan Slash joseph show today you know we're, we're we're talking about this idea and instead of the people of new york going wait a minute what are you doing you know we voted for it. that's not what we're supposed to do you got people outside new york saying what are you doing you know it should be the people of new york and what has happened in our society where we elect people to achieve political agendas joseph it should be we the people electing people to represent the the, the rights, desires, and protect the Constitution for the people. And, and we have switched that around, and now here we are to this day. And, and uh, again, I'm, I'm very sad and somber to be, to be talking about this today. Well, listening to the rhetoric of the other side kind of gives you a hint. It just seems that everyone has well, drunk the Kool-Aid, for lack of a better cliche. Uh, you listen to uh, congressmen out there. They say that, oh, no one's above the law. This proves no one's above the law, even though this is the same district attorney who you know, downgraded over 52% of felony cases to misdemeanors. And it, it seems that this is just how they per they perceive Trump as such a threat and such a criminal because – this, that's what they've been saying for what, since 2016? Trump's a criminal, Trump's a criminal, Trump's a criminal. They have this like absolute obsession with getting Trump on something, anything, even I guess if they have to make it up, <laughs> as might be the case with these charges. So 
it just seems to be a sickness that's endemic to the other side, the opposition of Trump, the way that they're doing this. Yeah, and I look at it from the standpoint maybe a little bit different than, than most. I mean, I've appealed to people to, you know, both Democrats, Republicans, and I know to say, listen, this is a this is a father, this is a husband. Put aside for the fact that he is a presidential candidate, likely front runner for the GOP nomination. Put that aside. Is it right to go after a human being like this? What effect is this going to have on on millennia? I mean, what effect is this going to have on Barron? We can't forget the humanness of these things. And, and yet, that's been completely forgotten in all this. And we as people ought to be ashamed of ourselves to attack another human being so obsessively that he becomes the all-enemy number one. And that's not the way it should be. Politicians should not do that at all. They should be representing the people people of their district, and be focusing on that, doing town hall meetings and talking to the people and find out what they want, and put their own political ambitions to the side because they're servants of the people. They're not called uh, in their job to be served by the people. Mm. Uh, as I mentioned, this, uh, the, like I said, the people in that district, they knew what they were getting when they voted for this guy. <laughs> it seems that they really want him to be doing this. So it just so happens that this guy is uh, the perfect person to go for a political prosecution because he's so unethical in his ways. In fact, uh, apparently leaking that there will be 30 charges against Trump was itself a felony. So clearly this is the sort of scum that just happens to prey off the type of voter out there. Well, you can look at this in uh, Chicago. Remember the mayor of Chicago, you know, that happened there. And you, you look at the, um, the leadership in San Francisco, California, you know, and the way they they uh, failed to prosecute people. And, and, and look at what's happened in, you know, Portland, Oregon. So this is not a brand new playbook or an underside or oversight. How are you going to look at by the people? This is something that's going across these great United States. And we have got to get a hold of this. And even today, earlier, you know, we got to appeal to Americans to get back to the constitutional and godly values. Mm. All right, Dr. Mark Sherwood, appreciate you being on the Alan Nathan Show today. Listeners, this is only just the beginning of the program. We have a lot more coming up right after this break, and hopefully I'll still be around. I don't see any political prosecutions coming, and I don't see any police rallying outside my door just yet. <laughs> This message is provided by Beringer Ingelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer Ingelheim's Phase 3 Global 
Global Fibronear program. To learn more about Fibronear and eligibility requirements, visit fibronear-ipf.longboat.com and fibronear-ild.longboat.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon-St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to skill 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time Ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at PVA.org. Welcome back to the Al Nathan Show by Silker Joe Show co-host Joe filling in for Alan today. We are joined now by Dan Schneider, Vice President of the Media Research Center's Free Speech America. Dan Schneider, always happy to have you on the show. How are you today? It's always great being on the show, and you're a, a worthy substitute for Alan Nathan. Well, I appreciate that. So, uh, unfortunately, Elon Musk appears to be a worthy substitute for his predecessor. You've, you folks at the Media Research Center have found that censorship on Twitter has actually increased since he took over. What's going on there? You know, when when Musk took over uh, Twitter, you know, we conservatives, lots of people were very happy 
but I'll also say lots of the conservatives were also you know were happy and also in a wait and see mode. Uh, Elon Musk has said many good things about the importance of speech, but he would also say things like uh, that the that throttling would still take place, you know, with, with you know if there's disinformation. So there's been a little bit of skepticism. Um, so while generally his comments have been good, there have been some things that have caused concern. I don't know exactly what's going on here, but I do have a, a suspicion, a strong suspicion. You've got uh, so many of those woke employees still at Twitter, still engaged in you know, what they you know, call moderation, you know, moderating content, deciding what's good and what's bad. I think that the rank-and-file woke employees at Twitter are – are hearing what they've heard from their new owner, their new boss, and they've said, we're not going to create a, a platform for free speech. We're going to continue to resist. And I think at that rank-and-file level, censorship has not only continued, but our, our data shows that censorship among, among, at Twitter is actually on the rise. Right. So the uh, activist uh, employees at Twitter – they seem to be wanting to make up for lost time and trying to undermine what Elon Musk is doing. For every push he wants to make for free speech, they're pushing back even harder, which then causes them to over-censor, as you found here. According to this, uh, 293 cases of documented censorship since Musk took over in November 4th uh, through March 4th, which is 67 more cases than reported the previous year. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, we've we've uh, here at the Media Research Center, we've got a database of, of uh, examples, documented cases of censorship. So if, if anybody has, uh, uh, if they've ever been censored, uh, they can contact us. We also look for those cases of censorship on Twitter and Facebook, et cetera. Uh, and then we document it. We need evidence of it. And when we have documented cases, we put them in our database. We call it censor track. And, and so we've, we've We've gone back to censor track, and we looked at the the year that that uh, the time period that that Musk has owned Twitter, and we compared it to the previous year, that exact same time period, and that's where we have shown that there's been a substantial rise in in censorship at Twitter um, during you know comparing those time periods. Now, have you all tried to reach out to management at Twitter, Elon Musk himself, perhaps, to explain what's going on here? Because Musk might not even be particularly aware that the censorship has increased. He might be thinking that what he's doing has been for the better and the employees are carrying it out. Yeah, so we we made sure that we communicated uh, our results through somebody close to him uh, before we published. We, we did not get any comments from him. Um, but we made sure that he uh, had that information. You know, on Twitter, when people have been censored, prominent individuals in particular, and they've said, what's going on here at Twitter? We've seen that Musk has responded to them on Twitter saying, I'm going to fix this. And, and, and he does. So we do know that he is sort of like a, a cop on the beat. When he learns of censorship problems, he has fixed those particular problems. And we know that, of course, that he disbanded that that entity at Twitter, like on day one, there was uh, Vijaya Gotti and Yoel Roth uh, and Jim Baker. They, they were part of this tiny group of senior Twitter people who were were censoring the biggest, most sensitive political accounts. And uh, and Musk disbanded that censorship body. 
but he did not disband you know the larger efforts at Twitter, just the rank with the rank and file, you know, look at information and decide whether they think it is worthy of, of being promoted or whether it should be should be censored, shadow banned. And it's at that rank and file level where we've seen more censorship than ever. And overall censorship has increased at Twitter, not decreased. Hmm. Yeah, and these people are self-appointed experts on all kinds of topics, in particular medicine, because they're out there censoring all this information from actual doctors talking about COVID just because it goes against the narrative that the government is pushing. It's like, what what makes them think that they're in a position to judge medical issues like that? The well-already issue, right? Of course, uh, you know, what they were censoring before about masks turns out to be medically accurate, that masks do very little to block any virus. Um, and and does not uh, help with the, uh, transmission uh, elimination. Uh, but it's not just medical. It, you know, the Hunter Biden laptop story. Of course, you know, the platform said that that was misinformation, and they censored it. They shut down and you know the New York Post, you know, an entire uh, publication for the two weeks prior to the election. Of course, the Hunter Biden laptop story is completely accurate. They censored dissent. When the narrative was that, that President Trump was an asset of Russia, if you were to dispute that, then you were engaged in disinformation. And, of course, the, the whole Russia hoax has turned out to be a one big fat lie paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign. You know, these platforms never get it right. But that's the whole purpose of speech. Free speech is where people can engage in a debate, a discussion, a political one. You know, free speech is not about sharing recipes for baking. Free speech is centered on protecting people's political differences so that we can work out our differences with words rather than guns. And, and when the left says you're not allowed to work out your, your, your differences with us, you just have to bend a knee and believe whatever we tell you to believe. That's when things can, can turn south in this country, just like we see in any authoritarian regime. First thing an authoritarian does is silence the opposition. And unfortunately, the left, they seem to have this moral imperative, uh, just going back, what, 2014, 2015, I think it was Harvard or, you know, one of the Ivy League institutions where they published an op-ed from one of the students saying, why should people be allowed to say stuff that the left disagrees with? Because the left is morally right. Therefore, the other side is bigoted. Therefore, they shouldn't be allowed to speak because their stuff is just bigotry and ignorance because we're always right. Yeah, the- yeah, it, it's like how the left, anytime somebody disagrees with somebody on the left, yeah, their favorite phrase to use, well, I guess they've got a couple favorite phrases, either racist or fascist. If you disagree with somebody on the left, that makes you one of those two right away. Um, yet, of course, they can't even define fascism, and their form of racism you know, has no currency. You know, their, their racism simply is, well, we disagree with you. you know, they just start calling names because they can't defend their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And then these people now decide that they have the right to actively censor a means of communication, which not only stops the free flow of ideas between people that are not racist, just in disagreement with what the left thinks should be fair and proper, but it also creates a manufactured consensus. You get the final word on this. Well, look, the final word has to be Americans must stand up. We must resist the left efforts to silence us. That is, the, if we let them get away with that, our society is over. 
All right, Dan Schneider, Vice President of the Media Research Center's Free Speech America. Appreciate you being on the Alan Nathan Show today. Listeners, we still have more program coming up after the break. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along in this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, sponsored by Coca-Cola. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy, 
Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Al Nathan Show. by Silker Joe Show co-host Joe sitting in for Alan today. I'm picking up on a thread from the last segment about how the left characterizes any opposition to them, not as legitimate, but rather as the result of bigotry or ignorance of some flavor. So over on MSNBC, I kind of figured when I saw the headline that this was must have been on MSNBC, and I was right, uh, Peter Strzok said that... Uh, Anyone who was out there def- saying the FBI should be defunded were, quote, inciting violence, unquote. Now, you might recall Peter Strzok is the guy who perverted the FBI into a political organization as it is. Well, he wasn't the sole person doing it, but he was part of the problem, and that's why he got fired from it. But he seems okay with that. And he's out there saying, if you want the FBI to fund it, well, gee whiz, you're inciting violence. Now, I repeatedly hear Democrats say that they're okay with disagreements over how tax dollars are spent, how high taxes can be, which government programs are needed. If literally every time someone proposes something they disagree with, then the left immediately says garbage like this, you're inciting violence, uh, you're a racist, or you want old people to die, or whatever. There's no room for a disagreement. <laughs> they, they say there is. But how can there be when the moment you do disagree, suddenly you're a genocidal maniac or something like that, or you want an insurrection? So just uh, especially with this issue of defunding the FBI. Now, of all people, the same Democrats who want to defund the police, you'd think they'd want to defund the FBI, too, especially given the FBI's somewhat dubious history of law enforcement going back to the 60s during the Civil Rights Movement, where they did their best to discredit African-American activists, where they did their best to discredit the communist movement. (laughs) Even uh, as recently as during the Bush administration, the left was saying the FBI was this Islamophobic organization and all that, yet... Now they're saying the FBI is good and pure. Maybe it's because the FBI has been taken over by leftists, and that's why suddenly the FBI is good and pure. Or maybe it's just because they're serving the interests of the left. 
at this point that suddenly there's no problem with them, despite their horrific past and of abusing people. In fact, one of their sources, Andrew Weissman, you know, prosecutor, okay, and he wasn't with the FBI, though. He was just worked with them a lot. And also the uh, Robert Mueller, who was with them for a while, they made their careers off wrongfully prosecuting people and trying to bury evidence. So that's the kind of people the Democrats have gotten in bed with in their effort to go after Trump and the Republicans. So it really shows their low moral standards in this area. They're willing to, and probably explain some of those charges against Trump as well. 30 miscellaneous charges probably made them up and are burying evidence showing otherwise, which is exactly what the FBI has done in the past. And the Democrats are okay with that. They have no problem with that anymore. They used to. But it, it helps them now, so it's good. And of those dirty charges, you know, that's why I'm not coming out particularly harshly against Trump because it is very, or particularly harshly in favor or saying that the indictment is totally bogus. Because now, if it was based on the uh, Stormy Daniels payments, of course, it would be totally bogus because at this point, even though New York law does allow statute of limitations to be extended if someone, if the criminal lives out of state for a bit of the time, that still the limitation was five years and we're in year seven now took a little <laughs> i think they kind of stretched over that to the breaking point there but on top of that these charges had been considered before and dropped this was that would clearly be just stretching the law for political prosecution but they came up with 30 other things now some of those may actually be legitimate which is kind of the problem see as far back as 2015 Various institutions and headlines came out with the fact that uh, the average person commits three felon or commits three felonies every single day without realizing it. Just you sitting right there in 2015 would have been committing three felonies today somehow. I probably committed three felonies today somehow if this were 2015. Now the reason I say if this were 2015 is because they've been eight years to add more crimes to the list of things that we're not allowed to do. So unknowingly it's probably up to four or five felonies now that we commit in a single day so that's why this indictment might entirely be possible might entirely be legitimate they may have found some of these random crimes that everybody does every day without realizing certainly against trump but the problem then becomes why aren't they prosecuting everyone else with this much vigor why are they letting like i said before armed robbers get away with it no problem Point a gun in someone's face, demand you have I'll take all their money, threaten their lives, you're one twitch away from killing them? That's not a crime to Democrats. It's a misdemeanor. No problem. Slap on the wrist. You're back out on the street. In fact, one such person who was put back out on the street had 36 crimes against him already and proceeded to beat a woman as soon as he got back out of prison for armed robbery, thanks to the district attorney releasing him. So... Shows such value that they place on feminism and gun control, right? That they take an armed robber, put him back out on the street so they can go around beating women. But uh, that's the Democrat Party for you. That same prosecutor, they say, is a hero because he's going after Trump like this. And if he is doing that thing I mentioned before where, you know, he's just finding one of those three felonies that you commit every day to go after Trump over, 
that sets a very dangerous precedent for every other prosecutor to follow. You don't like someone? Well, just pick one of the random felonies they commit a day. It's called selective prosecution. It's something you see in banana republics a lot. Where so many laws are passed that the government can institute basically political enforcement just by virtue of enforcing laws that are out there that everyone's breaking without knowing it. There's so many laws out there that you can't help but be political when you prosecute people over it. Because You can't help but only prosecute people that you are biased over simply because you don't have the resources to convict everyone committing those crimes. So you have to select certain groups to go after or certain people to go after. Maybe you just uh, throw it on top of some other crime they committed that day to make sure they get a stronger sentence. Or maybe you can just abuse it for your own per personal purposes, as D District Attorney Bragg may be doing. Again, we don't know. The 30 charges in there, they could all be bogus. They could all be made up, which would be really pathetic because, again, the average person commits at least three felonies, probably five felonies by this point per day without realizing it. Surely this man found something Trump would have done that was a felony that has no statute of limitations that ran out, right? It can't be that hard if we're all committing felonies every day to selectively prosecute someone over it. So that just really shows, if they didn't do that, how pathetic the government and how impotent the district attorneys are, that they have to do this political show trial, make a really big thing out of it when they're just lying to you about these being actual crimes that they've gone after. So <clears throat> situation we're in right now, unfortunately, this is also an example for the rest of you. If they can invest, if they're willing to let people get away with pointing guns in your face and demanding all your money, but they're not willing to let a political opponent get away with a misdemeanor. What does that say about what they're going to do to you? They've, this is a, Something like out of the Roman playbook, actually, because uh, I don't know if this is legitimate, but the story goes that the Romans, whenever they conquered a new place, they would take uh, three random criminals, crucify them, leave the bodies up so that everyone knew, hey, the Romans are in charge now. This is what happens when you break the law. So behave. This is what the Democrats are doing with Trump right now. They are trying to pin him up. They want him to be the example for all of his followers. What's going to happen if you dare to resist us? If you're not one of us, this is what happens to you. They've been doing it to him for seven years now. They're going to keep doing it. They're going to parade his mugshot around their media. They're going to be so happy about it. Now, what they're not realizing is this actually invigorates Trump's followers, myself included. I'm actually... The way they have made this political, I personally don't care if any of those 30 really are legitimate crimes. It's beyond the, at this point me caring because I know they never would have found them, especially this district attorney who, again, thinks that having a gun in your face is acceptable behavior despite being on the side of gun control. This same district attorney was the one who decided to find these charges against Trump. Yeah, this is very much political. It has to be political. There's no other way to say there's no other thing it could be unless this prosecutor just happens to be totally insane. That That's also a possibility, but very slim one. <laughs> so because of how this is of its political nature, I don't really care if these charges are legitimate. I'm still supporting Trump. I would still vote for him as president, even if he ends up being a convicted felon out of this. Because I'll tell you what, if they focused any of this scrutiny on their own side, <laughs> we wouldn't have a single Democrat left in Congress, I'd wager. We certainly wouldn't have Joe Biden in the Oval Office. It seems that uh, Democrats feel the only criminal in this country is Trump. People who point guns in your faces aren't even criminals, but Trump is. At least that's according to the message that we're getting from their coverage of this prosecution, their treatment of District Attorney Bragg, and the fact they voted for him because this is exactly what he promised to do, forgive other crimes, but not let the guilt of being, not let the crime of being Trump go unpunished. 
And it's, again, a message to the rest of us. We're doing this to your leader. We're coming for you next. If we can get away with this, what other political prosecutions can we get away with? We saw that with the uh, January 6th folks. There's someone who's been in prison 800 days now, hadn't had a trial yet, hadn't had charges against them yet. Just sitting in prison for 800 days. And Merrick Garland, by the way, the attorney general came out and said that this guy can still get a speedy trial. He sat in prison for 800 days. There's no chance of a speedy trial at this point. They have violated his constitutional rights. But alas, we're told that no, no, actually, he's getting all the treatment that uh, he's entitled to. Well, maybe the Democrats feel that way. Maybe they feel that their political opponents deserve to be locked in prison for 800 days without a trial. Uh, Based on the fact that they voted for District Attorney Bragg to go after Trump and ignore any other crime, that seems to be what Democrats think. And remember, uh, that poll that I mentioned a while ago from 2022, most Democrats felt that if you hadn't been vaccinated, you should be in a concentration camp. So go figure that they come up with this. More Alan Nathan Show after this break. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager. JumpCloud's Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices. And cloud-based options aren't ideal either. JumpCloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end-to-end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud-based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. 
I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy... It's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all gotta help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're gonna be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Thank you for sticking with us through this hour of the Alan Nathan Show. Silker Cho Show co-host Joe filling in for Alan today. Right now we are joined by Todd Binsman, Senior National Security Fellow with the Center for Immigration Studies. Previously he worked with the Texas Department of Public Safety's Intelligence and Counterterrorism Division and before that was a journalist with his latest book being Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Todd Binsman, happy to have you. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So this... Uh, Border crisis that you mention in your book, that is not going without consequences. In fact, the Center for Immigration Studies, you just completed this uh, analysis of how it's impacting public schools in those areas. Yes. Uh, Well, one thing about this greatest of all mass migration crises in U.S. history, and I think I think very likely uh, world history, uh, is that a a characteristic of it is that there are a great many children who have crossed the border. Uh, Remember that if you had a a child with you when you crossed the border, the Biden administration would let you in. And this, of course, spurred huge numbers, hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of families to head for the border because they they were letting them in. Well, the result is that, you know, we have uh, a huge new population of school-aged children in the country in the last 24, 30 months. And under a U.S. Supreme Court ruling in 1982, 
public schools must let all children in. So the uh, piece that's up right now at Center for Immigration Studies uh, is about one school district that has just been uh, walloped by this mass migration crisis and massive influx of children. Uh, There's a small rural school district in Liberty County, Texas, the Cleveland Independent School District, nothing to do with Ohio, um, had uh, 3,600 students total in K through 12 uh, just a few years ago, and today is exceeding 12,000 and is on track to hit 20,000 in three more years. Uh, This is absolutely unprecedented growth. I mean, you can imagine what's happening with that school district. And so uh, I spent uh, quite a bit of time on the ground in that school district talking to parents, teachers, and a good long interview with the superintendent uh, where, you know, they're having to really struggle to make space, which costs money to buy 60 different Uh, portable classrooms, for example, and to expand every single school that they had to create more classroom space and to build 15 new schools. And they've got 20 more schools on the books to to be built to to handle this massive growth of illegal immigrant children. And there are many other uh, problems that that go along with this growth uh, that are described in the piece and the analysis. But what I really want to point out is that this kind of thing is happening to one degree or another across America right now. It just isn't getting coverage. Uh, This is happening everywhere from coast to coast and everywhere in between north to south, east to west in public school districts across the country, because this was such a child centric mass migration crisis still underway, by the way. Hmm. Well, with the Biden administration saying that the border is secure, uh, despite that being a total lie, even their border chief disproved it, even despite uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas saying under oath otherwise that it is secure, uh, it seems that they just figure they can't talk about anything related to that either, even though I can see the left using this as a huge humanitarian issue to push more funding for schools. Well, sure. Uh, I mean, the Supreme Court requires... Uh, school districts to take in every, all comers without asking about their immigration status. But, you know, I raised this issue uh, uh, because, you know, one one uh, issue that is very rarely addressed about the border, this mass migration crisis that's brought in probably more than 5 million people, new people into the country over the border in just 24 months, is that there are consequences in the interior of the country. All kinds of consequences, uh, not just uh, crime, but certainly there is going to be more crime, unnecessary crime. But uh, there will be impacts on our health care system and our criminal justice system, on our labor markets. Uh, but the, the place that most people will see it and feel it first will be our school districts, because so many children have come in. And that's why I really kind of concentrated on Cleveland Independent School District as just one really obvious place where, you know, they had about 75,000 illegal immigrants move into this area, uh, clear-cut about 35 square miles of thick timber, and you have a gigantic colonia established there of all sorts of mismatched houses and 
structures, massive traffic, and uh, most of the population is illegal and can't speak English. Uh, the parents can't speak English. The children uh, coming in are of all diversity of education levels and proficiency. Uh, a lot of them didn't even go to school uh, in their home countries, or if they did, uh, the you know the the standards were different than our standards here in the U.S. But these school districts must integrate them somehow and must educate them somehow. And this school district in Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Independent School District, is a great case study of how that's done, what they have to contend with, and really ultimately how it's not really being done at all. So even those who are open borders who say that 5 million coming in illegally is perfectly fine, that should be more, they have to acknowledge that the, there's practical concerns like, uh, underfunded school districts having to take in double or triple their normal student population, something that they simply can't do. So it, it just another example of the harm that comes from having open borders. Yes, exactly. I mean, well, are, you know, consequences for sure. And uh, long lived consequences, transformational consequences, very expensive consequences the Cleveland Independent School District voters have been asked repeatedly to approve bond elections that hike their tax rates over and over and over again. They can't keep up, and they're starting to rebel and reject these bond elections, turn them down and defeat them, uh, which just leaves the school district, you know, wringing their hands with, you know, what are we doing? How are we going to handle this? We still have 300 a month coming in. Mm. It's terrible. Tom Mensman, Senior National Security Fellow with the Center for Immigration Studies, thank you for being on the Al Nathan Show. And his book, if you want to check it out, listeners, is titled Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. So you can go check that out. We are done with this hour of the program. Again, the book, Overrun, How Biden, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Definitely worth reading if uh, your headlines are insufficient for you. And folks, the show is very much worth listening to. But like I said, done for now. Be seeing you. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.